Hey everyone, I'm Stu. I'm one of the curates here at HTBB Church and I also lead the worship team. I wonder what is on your Spotify playlist at the moment. Maybe it is Coldplay featuring BTS. Maybe it is Christmas songs, 62 days to go. Maybe it's <coughs> HTBB worship. Songs are everywhere. If you think about life, we constantly have a soundtrack playing. You can find a Spotify playlist for anything. Songs to chill out to, songs to work out to, songs to fall asleep to, and one of the most random ones I've found, songs to listen to when you can't pick a font for your essay. That sounds like student procrastination. If we created a Spotify playlist for every occasion someone sang in the Bible, we would have a lot. In this book, we see people singing before going into battle, during battle, after winning battle. There's songs of mourning, there's songs of joy. There's even a book of raunchy love songs for the wedding night. There's songs sung when children are conceived, songs sung when children are born. There's songs written for buildings, for cities, for nations and specific people. The Bible is full of songs and singing. God's people sing, it's what we do and it's what we've always done. We even read in Zephaniah that God himself is singing over us. Think about today. We just spent some time singing at the start of our online service, and we're gonna spend more time singing after I've spoken. Almost every single time that we gather, whether it's online or on site, we make a point of singing. Now, is that just to provide a bit of buffer time so you don't miss the sermon while you're looking for your parking space in lot 10? Or if you're tuning online, maybe, maybe this, the singing's the time to make your coffee. No, it's not. Singing is central to what we do. But why? Why do we sing? I think it's helpful to think about our singing in three directions. There's an upward direction to God. There's an inward direction to ourselves and there's an outward direction to those around us. So let's look at these three things. Firstly, our singing goes upwards. Really simply, our worship is for God. You might have heard people say before, worship isn't singing, worship is a lifestyle. And yes, worship is a lifestyle, but worship is also singing. There are two different Greek words used for worship in the New Testament, and they mean two different things. The first Greek word is latreia. Paul writes in Romans 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. This is worship as service. This is what we mean by worship as a lifestyle, taking our everyday ordinary life, our sleeping, our eating, our working, our walking, and placing it before God. The second Greek word used is proskuneo. Matthew 2, verse 11, speaking of the wise man, says this. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. This is worship as a physical act of reverence. It actually means to bow down and kiss the feet of Jesus, a one-off act in a particular moment in which we pour out our worship to God. This 
is what we do when we sing. We come before God and metaphorically or sometimes even physically, we bow down. We bow down at his feet and we offer our songs as a gift, an outpouring of praise. So first and foremost, that's why we sing. That really frames it all and that's right at the heart of it. God is worthy, he is deserving, and we were created in order to lift him up with our praise. It's really, really important to remember that the heart of our worship isn't about what we get, it's about what we give. We sing upwards as an offering. Secondly, we sing inwards. I remember when I was young and I was learning my times tables. Um, my parents were very lovingly working through this with me. It was a very traumatic childhood experience. I have always been absolutely abysmal when it comes to maths. But we would sit down every night and we would go over and over the same thing. Two times three is six. Two times four is eight. Two times five is 10. Two times six is 12. And then the next day, I would go into class, into school, and I'd stand in front of my teacher and I would need to recite my times tables. And honestly, blank. It was like as if I had never even heard of times tables. Everything had been deleted from my brain overnight. I couldn't remember anything. And honestly, my parents tried everything they could to help me remember my times tables. And we, were, we must have been in a really random shop one day, but anyway, we find this cassette tape, because it was the 90s, and basically what was on this tape was times tables set to songs. These people had taken all the popular songs of the day, basically ripped them off and done different versions of them, but instead of the lyrics to the original songs, they'd replaced them with times tables. You can imagine the caliber of the music on that cassette tape. Anyway, this was absolutely life-changing for seven-year-old Stu. This was the only thing that worked for me. I no longer had to remember numbers. I now just had to remember a song. Turns out I'm not the only person who needs a song to remember something. Let's read from the Bible today, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 19 to 22. Deuteronomy 31, 19 to 22. This is, uh, this is God speaking to Moses in these verses. So let's read this together. Now, write down this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. When I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. And when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and calamities come on them, this song will testify against them because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do. Even before I bring them into the land, I promised them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it to the Israelites. Okay, what's happening here. Basically, we've got the Israelites and they're God's chosen people. And what's happened is he's led them out of Egypt through the wilderness in order to reach the promised land. So here in this particular passage, they're about to enter. But 
God knows that actually when they get into the promised land, they're going to completely forget about him. They're going to be dazzled by the bright lights and the good food of the promised land. And they're basically going to turn to other gods and forget that it was God's goodness and faithfulness that led them into the promised land in the first place. The second half of verse 21 is interesting. It says this, God says, I know what they are disposed to do. God knows his people. He knows that the disposition of the Israelites was to wonder, to get distracted, to forget. I can really, really identify with the Israelites in this passage. God has led them through this season of wilderness. And finally, they're in the most incredible place of blessing. The land of milk and honey, as we read. Don't know what the equivalent is for you. The land of Wagyu beef and Milo ice. But they've forgotten. They've forgotten who the very person was that brought them there. We can cry out to God to help us through the wilderness, but it can sometimes be easy to forget his faithfulness in the land of blessing. So in this instance, what does God give his forgetful people? A song. A song that will not be forgotten by their descendants. There's a neurologist called Oliver Sacks, and he's done loads of research into the effects of music on the human brain. And he writes this. He says, every culture has songs and rhymes to help children learn the alphabet, numbers, and other lists. Even as adults, we are limited in our ability to memorize series or to hold them in mind unless we use mnemonic devices or patterns. And the most powerful of these devices are rhyme, rhythm, and song. Songs scientifically help us to remember. Okay, camera crew, I need your help. Bit of a crowd, crowd participation. If I say to you now, never mind, I'll find someone like you. Yes. <laughs> or I say to you, never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna. <laughs> we we kind of knew that one. What if I said to you, "Be a bee shark"? Okay. Songs have the most incredible and sometimes extremely annoying power of remaining in our heads. I love that. I think that's so good. God, the creator of words, the creator of melody, the creator of rhythm, knows that these three things in combination create something beautiful and memorable. Worshiping God by singing songs helps us to remember. It helps us to remember his faithfulness in our own lives. And what that does is it keeps us close to him. It keeps us fixed on him. It prevents us from wandering and getting distracted like the Israelites. But singing doesn't just help us remember what he has done. It also helps us remember who he is. In the next chapter in Deuteronomy, we get to read the song that God gives the people. It's a long song. <laughs> We'd be here a while if we're going to read it all out. But we're going to read a couple of verses. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 3 and 4 says this. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. 
upright and just is he. God is making sure that the generations and generations to come who will sing this song remember who he is. They're going to remember that he's great. They're going to remember that he is our rock, that he's perfect, that he is just. Remember that he is faithful, that he does no wrong. Remember that he is upright. There's a high chance you're not going to remember many of the words that I say today, but you probably will remember the words to the songs that we sing regularly here at HTBB. That's why it's really important that we sing about the attributes of God his character, his nature. In life, there will be seasons of blessing, but there's also gonna be seasons of wilderness. However, when we look at our challenges in light of who God is, our perspective is realigned. Maybe you're watching this today and you're experiencing a difficult relationship with someone or maybe you're having financial difficulties, or perhaps you're ill, or a loved one is ill. When we come before God in worship, think about today, before before this message we sang together, we're not supposed to like try and set aside our troubles and concerns and then focus on God and sing about his goodness and his greatness and his faithfulness. And then after it's over, we go back and we pick up our troubles and we pick up our concerns and we put them on and then we plod off into the rest of our day. No, we bring everything about us with us. Every challenge, every fear, every worry, every trouble, we bring it into our mind before God in worship and we declare the truth about who he is over that tricky relationship, the truth about who he is over our bank balance, the truth about who he is over the sickness that is in us or in our families. We sing truths like, you are good, or you make the darkness tremble, or you are way maker, miracle worker. And what happens is we begin to take the power from the problem and we remember that the power belongs to God. When we worship, we see our circumstance in relation to his character. And that absolutely transforms the way that we can live. We sing to remember. Finally, it's the outward direction. We sing to unite. What a roller coaster the last 19 months have been. Absolutely unbelievable. But one thing that has been great, honestly, has been gathering online. And if it hadn't been for the pandemic, who knows, we might not even have an online campus. It's been incredible to gather as a church in that kind of digital space and to pray for one another. We've seen people come to faith in this community. We've seen prayers answered, people healed. And so many people have found home at HTBB Online during this pandemic. One thing, however, that has come up time and time again when we've been chatting, is this statement. We miss singing together in the room. Hearing voices, uh, feeling the music, being with one another in the building. I have missed it so much. And there's a reason we've missed it. 
It's not just that we've missed hearing live music. Something happens when people gather and sing. Research has shown that when people sing in a group, whether it's a big group or whether it's a small group, that collective singing releases endorphins. So you'll know endorphins, they make us feel happy, they make us feel positive. And some research has even suggested that they can change our perception of pain. I love that. We were created to sing and not only that, God made it in such a way that he knew when we sing together, it would be beneficial for our bodies, for our minds, for our mental health. Think of where we sing together and then how we feel after it. We sing at sports matches, we sing at festivals, we sing at parties, we sing at concerts. And now be honest, who doesn't feel great after a night out at Redbox? There's something physically that happens in our bodies when we sing together. Okay, so that's it. That's what happens when we sing at church as well, is it? No, that's not all that happens. In Colossians, we read this. Colossians chapter three, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a church in Colossae, and essentially it's a letter encouraging unity among the people in the church. And what he's saying is, sing. It's a vital way of staying united. When we sing, we become closer to one another. We cheer one another on. We help keep one another in the faith. We build and strengthen our love for one another. But what makes the church uniting in song more exciting than football supporters singing, you'll never walk alone. Firstly, it's what we sing. Paul says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. I think so often we, we underestimate the importance of worship songs. Paul doesn't say, let the message of Christ dwell richly among you through sermons, Bible studies, and podcasts all of which are great and important. But in this instance, he reminds us that it's through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's through our corporate worship that we allow God's word to make its home in our church community. Why is that important? Well, Psalm 19 tells us that God's word revives us, makes us wise. It gives us joy in our hearts and it enlightens us. And the apostle Paul also says, in Hebrews, that God's word is alive and active. When we take parts of this book, God's word, and we put it to music and we sing it at church or at Connect Group or at HTBB Online, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to form us through the truths that we are singing, words that are alive, words that are active in the power of the Spirit. The second difference is 
who we unite around. Jesus tells us in Matthew's gospel that if two of you on earth agree about anything that is asked for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, Jesus, there I am with them. What we're doing when we sing in worship is we are coming around one thing. It's an amazing picture of unity when we're all singing one melody, one rhythm, one set of words. But what changes everything is who we're united around, Jesus. When we stand and we sing and we agree on who Jesus is, he is with us. And when Jesus is present with us through the power of the Holy Spirit, exciting things happen. People are healed. Faith is restored. We see breakthrough. We are empowered to live in the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Karaoke is good, but it is not that good. <laughs> God is so generous. He is so kind. He loves to interact and to speak and to be with his children. So he's given us worship and singing as a gift for us to firstly give back to him, but also to engage with him, to receive from him, to remember who he is, to encourage one another as we unite as the family of God. And when we do that, we create space in which we can be transformed by the power of the Spirit. That's why we sing. Let's pray together. Come, Holy Spirit.